This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I am excited to be joined tonight by Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back. It's probably been a month or so since we have been on the airways together. Glad to have you back with me tonight. Yeah, it's this is new stuff for us too. So this is actually really exciting because we're we're dipping our toes into new waters here. Yeah, every year during the summer, over the last couple of years, you know, Matt has done his summer seminar series. This year, he's been taking to YouTube to add a little bit new content uh, for us here at Saturday Sunday and on the S to S YouTube channel. And then usually also during the summer, I usually do my dynasty stock report series where I usually go through division by division and give my quick thoughts. They're like usually 20 minute podcasts where usually just go real fast through every relevant player and give a little bit of quick thoughts about stock up, stock down from a dynasty perspective. But this year we decided to do something a little bit different Jeff and I have been working on our own dynasty rankings, not dynasty rookie rankings, which we talk a lot about here, but our own dynasty rankings. And we've been building them out here. And we're going to have a series of shows where we go through the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. At the end of the show, we'll talk a little bit about where you can find these rankings and where they're going to be updated in the future as well in terms of housing these rankings. Uh, for anybody who's been wondering where we've been the last couple of weeks, I apologize for, I think it was a three-week hiatus here at Saturday to Sunday. Uh, one was some technical issues, uh, a thunder and lightning storm, knocked out my Wi-Fi when I was supposed to have uh, Matt Wallman uh, be back here at Saturday to Sunday. The following week, uh, I had another guest plan and there were some schedules scheduling issues last minute that came up uh, that we were unable to uh, record. And then my kids got sick. So last week was was kind of a, 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 a rough week in terms of trying to find time to record the podcast. So if you've been wondering where we were, that's what was going on here. Uh, nothing's changed. We, we're back in the saddle now. Uh, and, and we're going to do this little dynasty rankings uh, series here. And then we will turn the page to 2022 rankings and start previewing the college football season and then hopefully get back some of those guests to talk a little bit more about the the upcoming rookies for before they start their NFL careers in September as well. So that's kind of the the layout here of what's going on. But but Jeff, let's get right into it because I I think we've had a lot of conversations off air. And I think I, we want to give a little bit behind the scenes, you know, take on just how hard and the approach that you took, and then I'll share my thoughts as well, in terms of creating dynasty rankings. And in tonight we're going to be talking about the quarterback, so whether you want to take big picture with there or in general, just to share your thoughts maybe on the quarterback, how hard it is to create dynasty rankings, and, and some general thoughts. So, I mean, I love rankings. Also, I hate rankings, right? It's... Um... You know, they try to be so nuanced about something that and so precise about something that's always more of a projections and sort of a, a range of outcomes game. Right. So there's so many overlapping things that could happen. And we're trying to pick out who is number three and who is number four and who is number five. And so it's just such a granular level that you have to put a, you have to put one guy first and the next guy after that. And it's such a granular level when, you know, I think if you look at it, when I had to build it out, I had to build it out in tiers first because I knew which names would be hard to pick between and they kind of group together that way. And I think that's a great way for anybody to take uh, their an approach to their drafts with is, is tier based because we can't be perfectly certain you know, about who's number three and who's number four. But you can be kind of certain about who are your elite guys, who are your upper level guys, who are your average guys. And so I think that's a really great way to one, formulate these ranks, um, at, at least to start with. And then for those to, when they start reading through and listening to our ranks, um, keeping that mindset that you know, I think it's going to make fun conversation because we're going to have some differences, but I would guess that 
you know, even though if we have differences in, in the number rank that we're probably not far apart in how we actually envision uh, these quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, and, and just to kind of piggyback off a little bit of what you just said there, what I found really difficult in, in terms of all the rankings for, for all the different positions, but even if we just hone in on the quarterbacks, is it really does depend what we're talking here. Because somebody's dynasty team, if it's a well-established dynasty league, they could be a contender. They could be rebuilding. Or it could be a startup. And then what is your mindset in the startup? Are you looking to win within the first couple of years? Are you looking to say, okay, I'm going to use those first couple of years to try to really have a strong core for then the next five to seven years? So everybody's rankings are going to look very different. You're not going to see a ton of consistency in dynasty rankings because it really is to each their own in terms of the approach that they take. When I made these rankings, I tried to base it off of a startup, if I was going to do a startup right now, and also with the mindset that I'm not looking to win in year one, but I'm looking to start to make a move by by potentially year two. So like, I'm not thinking five years out. I, I To me, that's too... You know, especially for, you know, most positions, quarterbacks, maybe you can get away with it, but we see so much up and down and upheaval at all the other positions, except maybe tight ends a little bit more stable at the top. But, you know, you go back and look three years ago, four years ago, what the wide receiver rankings look like, and then look at them now and running back. Obviously we know that's the one, you know, that changes the quickest, right? Todd Gurley three years ago or so, four years ago, it looked like the no brainer best, you know, player in dynasty. So we know how quickly that changes. So for quarterbacks, you know, I think you can look at a bigger of a a wider lens in terms of time. But at the same time, you know, we got to keep in the back of our heads because especially this rookie class, we, you know, Jeff and I have talked a lot about these rookie quarterbacks and we're going to talk more about them. You know, I'm sure at least mention some guys tonight as well, you know, but history has shown it's about a 50-50 hit rate, right, on, on, on round one quarterbacks. So you have to keep that in the back of your mind, right? We can't just all assume that all these guys are going to be great and they're all going to be, you know, elite QB1s. So, like, trying to pencil in this year's top rookies – I found to be a real challenge as well because some of them, you know, how high were you going to go with them? Were you going to go over established guys? Were you going to go over guys who are on the back nine of their career, but still elite like the Aaron Rodgers of the world. And, you know, when I made this, it was uncertainty of whether or not Aaron Rodgers was going to play football. I based it on as if he was going to play football, you know, I based, you know, we're going to talk about it, but I based my Deshaun Watson ranking as if at most he was going to miss one year and, didn't really even go too far into it in terms of, you know, impacting that because we just don't know about that situation. So, you know, I know we looked at our rankings compared to, you know, the, uh, the, the consensus rankings that are out there, you know, ECR, I think from fantasy pros, and that's where we have one of our big differences, which I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into later, but, but I do think it's, it's a lot in terms of what the approach of it. So, so why don't we, and any other final thoughts on that, Jeff, before maybe we share, you know, what the top of our rankings look like? No, I think that was perfect. We might, uh, I might mention it a little bit later, but I think a really key point is, like you said, not just a 50% bust rate for rookie quarterbacks, but that might come, you know, they might look great in year one and shaky in year two, and they might bounce back in year three, or they might collapse all together. So that the type of trajectories they can take, you know, you might think you have, you know, locked it locked in for the next 12 years after their rookie season until the NFL catches up and adjusts to them and they might not ever make their second contract. And, and Jared Goff's a really good example of, of a career that has looked very promising at times and very bleak at times. Daniel Jones, after his rookie year, was very promising, you know, in a trajectory that never took another step or two and that you know it's why he's not you know being a young starting quarterback with tons of weapons around him there's just still some uncertainty there and so those those quarterbacks can take um not a very linear trajectory right it's never it's never a straight line so it can go up it could go up and down and you kind of have to factor that in when you look at maybe being a little bit cautious about the guys who haven't made it through that adversity yet. 
Yeah, I mean, I think those are great points. And I mean, here at Saturday Sunday, we, you know, we were as avid Josh Allen supporters as there was out there. And we banged the table for him and we defended him when people were ready to bury him before he ever played it down in the NFL. But I mean, just look at his development, right? That wasn't linear. It was an exponential growth from, you know, showing bits and pieces a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, one of the premier quarterbacks in the league and I'm, I'd be foolish to think that he's not going to see, he's going to have some adversity, right? I wouldn't, you know, right now he's at the tippy top of, of a lot of rankings, you know, near, near the top of rankings. And I, I'd expect there to be some adversity where, you know, you know, maybe the doubters creep back in there, but I think he's done enough that he should keep them at bay, you know, but you're, you're right. It isn't a, it isn't a linear progression and even the really great quarterbacks, right. Have dips at times, right. We saw Aaron Rodgers where people started to question, you know, whether he was done and last year he was a steal, you know, in terms of availability, in terms of dynasty leagues or redraft leagues, you know, people have questioned Tom Brady through the years and then he's, he's bounced back. Like, so, you know, it's one of those things that you're right. It's not a linear growth and development. There's, there's, there's peaks and valleys and, and trying to navigate is really interesting. And you're right. A, a rookie quarterback to look really good early on. And then it doesn't mean they're going to jump into the next tier, right? They could be, you know, low QB one, high QB two year one. It doesn't mean that automatically the next year means they're going to be like a mid QB one or a strong, you know, you know, low end QB one, there could be some adversity that sends him back the other way. And those are the guys that I think are so hard to, to rank over the established guys where you kind of know what you're getting from the Aaron Rodgers and the Russell Wilsons. And, and, and that was to me, probably the, 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 the toughest part of, of the ranking. So, so Jeff, why don't you share first? I, I, I just talked a little bit. You, why don't you share what the top of your rankings look like, and then I'll share mine, and then we're going to start going through and talking about some of the key differences near the top, and then also you know find some guys that you know in the second half of, of the rankings you know that that we kind of had some uh, disparity on as well. Okay, great. I'll, I'll just go for through like QB ones, like the first first twelve names off the list here, and no surprise, we start with Patrick Mahomes. He's he's my number one. At number two, we have Josh Allen. Number three, Dak Prescott. Number four, Lamar Jackson. I kept Deshaun Watson up here. Um, he's at number five. We, we might touch on him later. And Kyler Murray is sitting at number six. And I think we're starting to see a tear break come right around this level. Uh, Justin Herbert comes in at number seven. Uh, Trevor Lawrence comes in initially as a rookie, as my eighth uh dynasty quarterback joe burrow at number nine we have old man aaron Rodgers at number 10 still hanging in there and followed by russell wilson also hanging in there at number 11 and one more rookie to round us out at the top 12 i'm really high on trey lance yeah i mean a lot of overlap there i think unless i unless i heard wrong i think that i think the 12 guys are the same as my 12 so it's just the order we have them is a little bit different i obviously have patrick mahomes at number 1 to me he's kind of in terms of safety and upside to me, he almost, if I was going to break it into tiers, I'd probably have him in his own tier, to be honest with you, because I just don't see a lot of regression with that offense and his game and Andy Reid. Uh, but for me, that next group would probably be, you kind of mentioned a tier break, and I kind of agree with you. For me, I have Josh Allen at number two, Kyler Murray at number three, Lamar Jackson at four, Dak Prescott at five, and Deshaun Watson at six, assuming the legal stuff kind of clears itself up uh, either during this season or before the season, during the season or after the season. Obviously, if we knew, you know, that his career was very much up in the air, this we're talking about a guy that would be well, well further down. But if we're just talking about on the football field and his ability, I would have him in that group with Alan Murray, Jackson, Prescott and Watson. Uh, and then for me, my next probably small tier would be Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Trevor Lawrence. I think those guys, it, that was very hard for me to rank them because on talent alone, I like Trevor Lawrence the most. Then I like Joe Burrow. Then I like Justin Herbert. But I'd be naive and foolish if I didn't say 
just how much Justin heard me wowed me. He already showed it at the highest level in the NFL. Joe Burrow's coming off an injury. And then Trevor Lawrence, while I think he's going to be great, obviously there's some uncertainty because we haven't seen it yet. That would make up that next little group for me. And then I would round out my top 12. I have Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers flip-flopped. Uh, only because Russell Wilson's a little bit younger, so a little bit more years left in the tank there. Uh, and maybe they finally let him open it up at some point. It would be nice, but who knows? Uh, so Wilson at 10, Aaron Rodgers at 11, and then like you, I have Trey Lance at 12 uh, as a guy who I'm extremely high on. For people who are screaming and saying, Paul, you love Justin Fields. He's right after him at 13. They are neck and neck for me. Uh, you know, so he's right there as well. So I, I am, you know, as much as I said, high bust rate for first round quarterbacks, I do have three in my top 13 because that's how much I do think, uh, you know, of these guys. So, so Jeff, I know one thing that we want to hit on right at the top, one of the, the, the key differences, and again, we, I think we both agree they're in the same tier, but maybe let's have a little conversation here about why you chose to have Dak Prescott where you did, I had him a few spots below and we kind of had Kyler Murray, you know, and Dak somewhat flip-flopped in terms of our approach here. So maybe just some reasoning behind that. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like what I touched on with the quarterback growth trajectory. I think at some point, I mean, I don't think we've seen it with Patrick Mahomes yet. That's why he's in a tier by himself. But at some point, these quarterbacks will face adversity, and and it's still uncertain how they respond. I think we saw a little bit with Lamar Jackson last year, especially at the beginning of the year before he seemed to find a groove again and work his way through that. And everyone's going to have a few of those come through in their careers, but that that first one to me is really important in separating who makes it through into a long career. Uh, and for me, I would say that Dak has shown that he can make it through and 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 play through you know struggles, adversity. You know, he's had the track record to to prove to me that his contract's going to even, even though it's a major contract, it's still going to be worth it for the Cowboys because he's a franchise quarterback. And while I think Kyler has been a phenomenal fantasy quarterback, I think as an NFL quarterback, he's been very good, but he's been inconsistent. He's had a few struggles and, and, and the NF, the NFL is responding to him, making him try to, win in different ways and and I'd love to see it get beyond just his legs I'd love to see him evolve about as a passer I'd love to see him you know transcend uh into into the way that the more cerebral game that quarterbacks have to play to get the edge up on the defenses that are responding to them yeah, I mean, I, I love I love the points that you made there. And, and I think, you know, I think the margin, you know, I know from my perspective, the margin between these guys is, is small. And the margin between Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson for me, you know, also very small. And, and I think for me, I look at Dak Prescott coming off of this injury. And part of me, I think in terms of my slight, and it's slight because I have him fifth, you know, my slight hesitation is, do we see Dallas in general? And do we see Dak pull back a little bit in terms of maybe putting his body out there in terms of those rushing touchdowns, in terms of what he added as a bonus, right? We know Dak can light it up. He was lighting it up with his arm last year. The weapons there are phenomenal. Uh, but I, I do wonder if there will, as Dallas tries to rebuild that defense, probably not in as many of those, you know, crazy shootouts that, that we've seen Dak over the last couple of years. And then the injury coming off of a major injury and, and we see guys come back from it, you know, regularly now. And I don't have much doubt that he will. I do wonder, though, if there will be a little bit hesitation in the in for for now in terms of 
protecting that body and not putting it out there as much as a Josh Allen will early in his career and as much as Kyler Murray is. And Kyler, the thing about Kyler Murray and his rushing ability that intrigues me is similar to Russell Wilson, but Murray's just more athletic, better runner, is he never seems to get a flush hit when he's running. Like he just has that, the ability to slide, get out of bounds. You know, he just seems to really know his surroundings that you don't, you watch an Arizona game and Kyler Murray's a really small guy. And, you know, you, you would think that like, oh, he's putting himself in jeopardy when he's running, but he just doesn't seem to take a lot of flush hits, especially when he leaves the pocket in terms of his running capabilities. He really has to have, he really seems to have a keen sense of his surroundings very much like when Russell Wilson runs. So, so for me, that's the small difference there that I think Dak is the better pure passer right now. And I'm not sure Kyler ever gets to that level. He, I think he could, and that's why I have him ahead of Lamar Jackson, because I think he's a better natural thrower than Lamar Jackson. And I don't think Lamar is going to make up that gap. But I, but I do think Kyler Murray still early in his career is going to, has the potential to be a very dangerous weapon in the ground game as well. And I feel a little bit more confident in that than, than I do Dak. So that's kind of where my approach was uh, in, in ranking those. Any other thoughts on, on Prescott, Murray, or we want to maybe take it to a different comparison? Yeah, well, I'd be kind of curious what you think. You, you brought up a little bit of the situations, and I personally like Dallas as, as a better situation with – what seems to be a slightly more stable. I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I, I just feel like Cliff Kingsbury is a bit on a hot seat. And, and I think Dallas is, I, I think they'll win the division this year. I think they're going to be a little bit more steady. And you talk about the weapons they have lock, like locked in there with CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, um, Mike, Michael Gallup might be a free agent this year, but but the the weapons they have locked in there are are really solid, and and I think he's just got a and the offensive line too, just a strong support around him. Where I think they're still trying to figure out all of those other pieces in Arizona, and so I think from a situational standpoint, I might give a slight edge to Dak if that matters to some people. It's really hard to project beyond a year or two, right? Like those those change, right? Somebody. C.D. Lamb, nobody would have projected with Amari Cooper Dallas to have selected another stud right wide receiver in C.D. Lamb, but now it looks like a great addition for Dak, and it's just not something that you always project to happen or could happen. So I, I tend to think of situations only in a one or two year window. But I yeah, still, I mean, I, yeah, go finish it up. It's still, I was just going to say, it just puts a little bit of an edge to Dak for me. Yeah, and and I think a hundred percent. I'm in agreement with you that the supporting cast definitely favors Dak Prescott. Like the weapons, uh, you know, I think they're set up there. The offensive line is better. I have a lot. You know, I don't love McCarthy as a coach, so I'm not gonna. I, that's kind of like a draw for me. I'm not, you know, unless Dallas wins, I could see McCarthy only being there a couple years. Uh, and I think Kingsbury is very much on the hot seat this year. Uh, I do think there would be some intriguing college coaches that may guys that we may not think of who want to come to the NFL may be intrigued if they, if, if Kyler Murray's, you know, obviously with Kyler Murray and, and the type of offense you can run. I think we've been kind of promised that with Cliff Kingsbury and he hasn't really delivered yet. So I do think there's definitely more uncertainty there. And, and it's, this is one of those things. If I owned in a dynasty league, if I owned Dak Prescott, I would not trade him for Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, if I, you know, it's one of those things that, yes, I have Kyler Murray ahead, but this is, again, my approach to these rankings was if I was doing a startup, I probably wouldn't get any of these guys. Cause I'm not usually a draft the quarterback guy as early as it would probably take, but I think I would shoot for, I think Murray's upside is a little higher theoretically, so that's where I would go with him. But it's one of those things that, again, it really kind of determines, you know, what you want right now, two years down the line, a longer approach down the line. It kind of goes into what we were saying before, you know, that, you know, it, it is a lot of uniqueness to dynasty rankings. And, and that's kind of what makes, 
you know, kind of what makes it very interesting. So I think, I think, I think it's an interesting debate. I think, you know, like I said, I think we both agree that they're kind of close in, in terms of their tier. And listen, Lamar Jackson took a slight step back last year. He might be the guy that we're discounting here a little bit that we shouldn't be. And maybe, you know, he catapults both of these guys and, and puts himself back, uh, you know, right behind, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, especially if the additions in the receiving group really kind of catapult that pass offense a little bit. He could be the guy, uh, you know, that I, I think he might be the guy. I know this was another question, so let's just go here before we kind of maybe pivot over to something else. I think where I had Lamar Jackson, and even though he was for, uh, even though he was forged for me, it surprised me a little bit because if you look at, you know, redraft rankings, he's either one or two, right? And he's coming off of two years ago, an all-world year, and then even in a down year last year, it kind of seems like I caught myself thinking to myself, should he be four? Like, should I have him higher? Should he be two? Am I am I showing too much recency bias to what Josh Allen did last year? And am I thinking too long term and and asking for Kyler Murray to have a year like Lamar Jackson had two years ago when he won the MVP? Is that even in the cards for Kyler Murray? So I think the the, the guy that surprised me the most was I, I put Lamar there for it because I think that's what I would do in a startup. But I, but I could see that being the mis- my mistake early in my rankings uh, that soon after this year starts, if we see that Baltimore offense has evolved and we see it open up a little bit more, I think that could be the thing that I immediately say, okay, that's my first adjustment. We know what Lamar could do on the ground. If now all of a sudden they have a more competent pass offense and they're opening things up a little bit more, that's the guy that should be higher. Was there was there somebody in your top twelve that you were kind of surprised where you ended up putting them? I, I think it kind of surprised me Trey Lance made it in there, uh, just because I I I just got more and more um, optimistic about him. But I I really like your honing in on Lamar Jackson as as an intriguing piece here because as we went into last year, he was one A one B with with Patrick Mahomes in your in your your quarterback rankings. They were on the same level and and you could be right maybe maybe he is the one who can make it up into that you know top top tier with Patrick Mahomes um so that's kind of the one thought there um oh there was another Lamar Jackson thing that I I researched this offseason that I thought would be really interesting to add here and so we we consider his year a disappointment and I think the only reason we do it is because he finished at quarterback eight or nine on the year and you took him as your quarterback too, especially in your redraft leagues. But if you look at the amount of points he scored or points per game he scored and, and averaged for your lineup in any other year besides this crazy COVID passing touchdown year, he would have been at least the number two quarterback or the top quarterback just blowing everybody else away and that's because well maybe frustrating at the start of the year he he was back to the same electric player at the end of the year um scoring touchdowns at a high rate racking up the rushing yards and i think that gets a little bit lost in the narrative and i think people haven't really caught up and that's why i had him above uh kyler murray myself was because I talk about those struggles that they may or may not have gone through. And to me, that's that was watching Lamar make a breakthrough. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's something that, you know, as I'm talking through this, again, these are things that these rankings are fluid, right? And we'll update them and, and, and edit them. And and the, the Lamar one is the one I keep coming back to that, you know, if I was to make an adjustment somewhere early in my rankings, I think that would be my 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 move right now. I'll, I'll keep Kyler locked in for three right now, but but I but I think Lamar is the one that very quickly we could see him catapult himself right back to number two, right back into that own tier with Mahomes, and then everybody else is in that not everybody, but that those guys that we've been talking about are make up that next tier, right? That somewhere goes from Allen to Prescott to Kyler Murray to, you know, potentially Deshaun Watson, if he's on the football field, uh, 
it could be Lamar that sees that catapult because you bring some great points up of the adversity he saw early on, but then how he kind of finished the year and getting back to that, that guy. And now, you know, they add Rashad Bateman and, you know, and, and I think they might have bigger plans now for maybe the passing game and, and could their additions in the passing game open it up a little bit, not to the level of maybe what, uh, you know, happened in Buffalo when they got Stefan Diggs, but it doesn't have to open up to that level to make Lamar Jackson such an elite player. So give me something, something that constantly, you know, we will, uh, you know, we will have certain episodes hopefully throughout the season where we kind of do check-ins on the podcast, you know, with these dynasty rankings that, that will be updated, you know, uh, for you guys. And I think that's one that we'll come back to, especially when we talk about the quarterbacks kind of check in at the, at the top five, top six there, you know, after Patrick Mahomes, uh, for sure. So why don't we transition this over to some quarterback two discussion, right? We're not going to run through our rankings. These rankings are going to be up available for you guys. Uh, you know, once we finish all the podcast episodes where we go through the, the four, uh, positions, but a couple guys that we had some disparity on Jeff were Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, and and Mac Jones, a couple different guys there that, you know, from QB two to, you know, I guess, you know, QB threes, you know, technically, you know, where I had, you know, Mac Jones, uh, you know, ranked. So, so why don't we start with Baker Mayfield? I had him at 20. You had him at 16. Where's your, what's the argument in for, for your side of having him, you know, as, as a pretty high QB too, right? 16, you know, if we're thinking 12, make up the first, you know, group of QB ones, you know, you, you have made, you have Baker in that next group of four to make up the high QB twos. Yeah. And um, it's hard when you're talking about which one, four, four spots doesn't necessarily need to be a, a major difference, but uh, I think it'll be interesting with the names we highlighted, because for me, he's, Baker is ahead of Jalen and Daniel Jones. And to you, he's behind those two. And so I think this will make a very interesting discussion. Because I think, I don't know if Baker is going to make it to a level that he will be a fixture in a QB1 spot. But I think what he's shown, and especially to Cleveland, is that they're going to be committed to him. They're building with him. They're building around him. They might be building around a strong running game to support him. They might not be trying to put everything on his shoulders. But it looks like, again, another stable franchise, good offense, a lot of weapons, a lot of support. And I think his year last year was a bit artificially um, – I'm not not inflated, but it, it, like held back. Uh, he had like three b- bad weather games in a row. There, there was no passing the the OBJ uh, injury. I, I think to me, he offers more stability than Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. And in my mind, that was worth it uh, over the risk. Even though those, I think what you might say for maybe why you like those other guys is the upside. Yeah, I mean the the Baker thing is the value that Baker I think could for me and and you hit it for me uh, and and I'll get into it a little bit more Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones in a second but for me when I look at Baker Mayfield I, I agree with you I think he's there for the long haul I think the Browns have as crazy as it sounds one of the most talented rosters from top to bottom in the entire NFL my one concern for Baker is. When he came into the league, you thought if you thought he might end up in an offensive scheme that was very much like his college scheme, right? Spread him out, let Baker go to work, throw the ball around the field 40, 50 times, and be the engine of the offense. Now I look at him and I think when I look at him is I think the Browns want to play very similar to a team like the Vikings. And there are some similarities in terms of, you know, how they do things, right? And, you know, the coach coming from Minnesota, I I, I think to me, 
I mean, I, I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I think they can maybe make a deep run. I, I'm not going to say Super Bowl because it's always going to be the Chiefs and other really good teams, but they're very talented. I think he's going to be very good. I just don't know if him being very good in the NFL sense will translate to consistently being a high-end QB two. I just don't know with how good their defense is now on paper. Things can change. The their commitment to the run game, who knows how long Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are there, but right now they're both there, and I think they're going to be there probably for at least two years together. We'll see. And the use of the tight ends and, you know, the offense that they've built there is very Minnesota-like. And we're probably not going to get a chance to talk to Kirk Cousins. Me and you had him a little bit lower than the consensus on him, you know, in the 21 to 24 range. But But my concern with Baker and why I had him at 20 was, is he a very good NFL quarterback, but a guy that lives in that 27, 28 passes a game or something like that because of the offense and the scheme that he's in and the quality of the defense that he has. And that was my, and then he doesn't do much on, he's not going to really add too much on the ground, right? You know, we saw Baker in college run a little bit, not really a thing that he's going to do much. Only when the play breaks down, you know, he has a little bit in him. So, so that was kind of my thing that I was a little bit, a little bit skittish on how much he's going to have to air it out and the offense that is surrounding him. It might lead to a lot of real success. I had my reservations a little bit in terms of fantasy success. Any, any thoughts on that? Any, any, anything you want to kind of counter or, or, or post question on that? No, I thought that was actually really well put. And I think we might slightly value that stability different. Um, you know, the, the quarterback uh, year over year rankings do stay pretty stable, but we do see those guys kind of wash in and wash out. And for me, you know, I that would scare me off a roster, especially if we're talking about and, – and maybe that's another different perspective is – you know, I have I might play in more super flex rosters where you can't afford to have a quarterback wash off your team and, and miss on that after a couple years. Whereas if you're in a one quarterback league, yeah, I'd probably take a, a chance on Jalen Hurts over Baker Mayfield because because that upside is there. Um I, I don't think it's as likely to to hit and stay there, but for for this year it definitely will be. And if it does if the Eagles look there? They've they're rumored for Deshaun Watson. You know they're rumored to to. We've talked about their draft picks to get a quarterback next year, so that that adds a lot of uncertainty. But the upside is really there. And one of my one of my philosophies for Dynasty is to uh, get a difference maker at the position and lock that in for the long haul because you pay for it once. And, and they last for so long. Like, I'll pay up for Patrick Mahomes to be a difference maker on my team for a long time. And so I think the hard thing is we've talked about some longevity with Baker Mayfield. We've talked about that upside for for Jalen Hurts. And so the question is, how do you get both? Uh, and it, and it, it's maybe Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you made a great point there. And I think this is so important to talk about because when, when, you, when I make these rankings – I do take a lot into account the upside, right? But here's 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 the thing that you got to think about this. If you told me I was in a startup right now and I waited on quarterback and I get as my quarterback either Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, then I'm probably taking Baker Mayfield ahead of Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones for exactly what Jeff just said stability, knowing that I don't have two guys that could potentially flame out. I have a guy who I think I know is at his worst going to be a Kirk Cousins style player in that offense. But on the flip side, if I take Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, or even one of the the premier guys that we're talking about, and then I I, I look to draft the second quarterback, then I'm probably going to roll the dice, right? And take the Daniel Jones, take the Jalen Hurts who have the higher ceiling. So it's also it's it's also just who's the other guy on your roster, right? Like if we're talking 12-team dynasty leagues and most people have two, your second quarterback could very, if we're talking startup, could very much be impacted 
by your first quarterback. And even in a super flex, that would be my approach. I'd probably want one guy I feel very comfortable with and, and, and reliable with. And then I'd probably want to shoot for a little higher upside on another guy. And, and, and that could just be based on, on the players, right? We talked before you, you take in, you know, Trevor, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, or you take in Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Well, based on who I pick there, it might then impact what I do down the line for that second quarterback position when I'm when I'm talking through guys like Baker Mayfield and and stuff like that. So I think I think talking about this the the reliability and the you know that is worth more for you. I I totally understand that. And as I'm processing it here, it would be for me too, actually, in certain instances. And that's what makes dynasty rankings in a vacuum a real tricky thing because they never really are in a vacuum, right? Even if you're doing a startup, it's not really a vacuum because you're probably going to make a decision on your second quarterback based on who your first one is. I know I at least take that into consideration. Any thoughts on on, on what I just said? No, you nailed it. Um, look, I, I don't know if we're going to have too much time to go all the way into where we differ from expert consensus rankings over at fantasy pros or anything like that. Um, but uh, I did highlight a couple and, and honestly with the quarterback rankings, you know, we're talking about little different the where our biggest differences are and they've been two or three spots. And that's probably because I think there's a lot of general consensus when it comes to where these guys kind of tear out with one another. Um, but I, I highlighted a couple names that, you know, we're not quite as high on Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz as, as maybe the rest of the, the community is for dynasty rankings. But we actually had a, a little bit more optimistic view of Jimmy Garoppolo. So did you want to touch on any one of those guys and maybe why we see something a slightly different? Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a solid functional starting quarterback. And I think right now, obviously, most people are expecting Trey Lance to take that job, whatever, by week six, week eight, week 10 at the absolute latest, you know, unless the 49ers are, are one of the elite teams in football. I do believe that Trey Lance is going to be playing football games by the midpoint of the season. But I also think there's a lot of teams that could use quarterback upgrades. So I do think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get a chance again, you know, so I Consensus ranking had him down at 33. You know, me and you had him at 28 and 31. To me, he's a guy that as a third quarterback on a roster or something like that, he intrigues me to the point because I do think he's a functional NFL starting quarterback. Like, I don't think this is the end of Jimmy Garoppolo getting a chance. I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that a team says, okay, we have our next guy for the next four or five years. But there's enough teams that sometimes aren't in position to draft a guy like you know I don't want Daniel Jones to 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 flame out I don't but like he's a guy that okay if he flames out and the Giants even with two picks next year aren't in a position to take a quarterback would they say look at the supporting cast here Garoppolo took a good supporting cast to the Super Bowl is he a guy that you know Joe Judge would would say let's bring him in here and kind of play the waiting game for for a rookie for another year or two down the line and that's just one place and as a Giants fan I hope we're not talking that conversation next year you know but what if what if the Broncos flame out with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and they don't trade for Aaron Rodgers after the year you know so like there's there's places throughout and they have plenty of weapons there too so I think there's places that Jimmy Garoppolo could end up next year that maybe are giving their young guy one more year to kind of see what happens. You know, what if Sam Darnold flames out this year and the Panthers aren't in a position to get an upgrade? There's a lot of weapons there too, right? So there's a bunch of places in the league right now where, you know, Washington's another one. I can keep rattling these off that have really good offensive weapons. And they're, they're you know, Washington's obviously going with a veteran in, in Fitzpatrick. So maybe that's a little bit of a different situation than the other teams I said. So I still believe there's an opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to be a starter 
half of this year, maybe. And then as soon as again, next year. And I don't think people are, are valuing that because they're kind of valuing that he's not starting at all this year. And that's a mistake because he's definitely starting for a period of time. And if he's really good, who knows how long. And I do think by next year, he's a starting quarterback the following September, you know, when, when the, when the 2022 NFL season starts. So I think that was my approach with Garoppolo. Yeah, I see it a lot of the same way. And I thought it was really, and I think that's why we're similar and we're both a little bit higher than what the community thinks because he's ranked, you know, he's ranked five spots behind guys like Sam Darnold and Jared Goff, who to me, those guys are bridge quarterbacks who don't seem very likely to make it, to get many more shots if they don't make it this year. And I think, you know, I think you and I have talked a lot, a little bit about what the, the the 49ers are doing at the quarterback position. I think we have a little bit of a different perspective on how long it'll take for Trey Lance to get there. And mostly because I just think the 49ers win with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that's a lot about the roster, but it's also, it also goes to show that you can have good rosters and not winning quarterbacks. When you look at places like, like Denver, um, who who are not winning with Drew Locke and and you put a you put a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo in that system or in Washington and you take these teams that are six and ten, seven and nine, and then you get teams that could run they they would have a similar type of structure to what the 49ers Super Bowl run was when they went 13 and 3. So you know, no, he is not an elite NFL quarterback, but he can take a team as well. He could take a team to a Super Bowl. You know, there's argument whether he'd win it or not, but they were close to that. And I think that entitles him and, and the, just his track record, his winning track record versus guys that might be a little bit more marred, like Sam Darnold, is going to give him a few more opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see when Lance takes over, you know, does Kyle Shanahan have kind of like a itchy trigger finger to, to make the switch? Like, you know, like my guess is the 49ers are a good team. So it's going to be a weird, it's going to be one of those weird things that like, it, do they do it for, for just to do it, to get them in there? I mean, listen, my Miami kind of went through this last year and I think the 49ers are a much better team than, than where Miami was last year, but it's kind of like they just wanted to get two on the football field, right? Like, you know, and I think Garoppolo is better than, than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I, I think Miami knew Fitzpatrick wasn't the long-term answer. 49ers know that Garoppolo is not going to be the guy at this point. They don't give up that draft capital, you know, and, and not eventually turn the keys over to the kingdom to Lance. So it's going to be one of those things that it's probably going to be an awkward, unless they're winning and Garoppolo is playing like really bad. It's going to be one of those things that they probably are going to have a winning record. It's just how good of a winning record, right? Is it six and two? Is it five and three? Is it, you know, like, you know, so it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be one of those things that it's going to be a very tough decision, you know, and if Garoppolo is playing good or very good or even just solid, like protecting the football, it's going to be one of those things that it's like, he's going to, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny if they come, if they go to Lance, you know, coming from the level of college and not even playing last year besides like one game and then their season, you know, crumbles. So it's a tough spot for San Francisco. It really is. Uh, you know, so I think Garoppolo could even get more, you know, you're right. The point is, you, while I think Lance gets on the field sooner than you do, there is a scenario where the 49ers are a really good team and then you your scenario comes to play. And then in terms of what we're talking here in fantasy, then you're really t- talking about not – you're having Garoppolo, who was basically free this offseason, as a really good probably QB2. And you got, you got him as like a QB3. No one wanted him. You get him all – you get him for a big chunk of this season – on a really good offense with one of the best offensive play callers, or if not the best in the entire NFL. And then there's a good likelihood that unless he bombs out this year, he's a starting quarterback in, you know, the following season in 2022 somewhere. So I, I, I think, you know, as we even talk about this, I, I think there's a lot to 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 kind of get behind Garoppolo and think that 33 is, is a little bit too far. 
Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, I know, I know we mentioned before and, and we're running a little short here on time, but I, I did want to just circle back and, and just ask you because one of, we talked about Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones kind of like when we were talking about Baker Mayfield. So I don't think there's a lot of discussion there, but we had a five uh, ranking separation in, in Mac Jones. I know you would, I, I think we've talked a lot about Mac Jones, right? Cause we thought he might've been the surprise pick for the 49ers. You, you thought he could be asked to be to to run a system and, and be a functional player. I still have my reservations that I think he's a little bit more of a low end, you know, low end starter, you know, an Andy Dalton type. So that's why he's a little bit further down for me at 27. For you, still feel that he can be a pretty good starter or at least a, 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 a average to above average, even out of the Shanahan scheme. Yeah. And and so I I we, I, I skipped over him because we've talked a lot of rookies, so I'll try to keep it as brief as I can. But with Mac Jones, I had to do a lot of digging to understand. And, and, and honestly, I think, you know, I had to understand, like, well, why why would the 49ers be looking at? what? Do, it, it challenged me to take a perspective of why is Mac Jones good, right? And so it, it had me looking into things of what did he do well? And now it doesn't sound like the 49ers were in it. It doesn't sound like they thought he was good. And, you know, I if you wanted to tell me why isn't Mac Jones good, I could give you a lot of reasons too. Um, I think New England is, it's just, a New England's a great organization, right? Um, I think we, we talk about stable organizations and that tends to matter because unstable organizations will cycle through prospects and players rapidly. And I think Mac Jones can be a solid functional starter. I, look, I get his upside is Tom Brady, right? But but no one's he's never going to hit that, right? Um, I, I think it just goes in my mind that I think it's similar to how I had Baker Mayfield a little bit higher. I just I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be able to play through his rookie contract. I don't think he's going to flame out and get cut. Um, and I think they're going to try to work around him and, and build him into the offense. You know, some off season reports might make him a starter this year. And so for me, I think it's just a slightly more optimistic view of who he is as a prospect, not necessarily his ceiling or upside, but his ability to play in the NFL at a starters level. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think those, those are good points and you're right. It's not like, when we thought he was going to go to San Francisco and we loved the setup, it's not like he went to a poor run franchise, right? He went to one of the best run franchises in the NFL. Josh McDaniels is a really good play caller in his own right. Uh, for me, I always just had some concerns that he was more of a round two type quarterback that was getting pushed up into round one. You know, but I'm looking right now at my rankings and I have him sandwiched after Jared Goff, Derek Carr, and then right behind him is Sam Darnold and Taysom Hill. And, and when push comes to shove, I've talked a lot about upside today, you know, and, 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 and here I, I think I'm actually being a little bit against, you know, almost a little hypocritical in terms of for other guys, I went with the upside over, you know, some more stability here. He's got higher upside at this point now, I think, than Jared Goff and Derek Carr. I think those guys, I probably put them ahead in this instance for the fact that I, I think I just know what I'm going to get with them. They're going to be QB twos. You know, Carr maybe has a little bit more upside, you know, to still, I don't think Goff, if Goff didn't make it big in Los Angeles with that offense, with that scheme, I don't think he is. So in that sense where I have Mac Jones, he probably should be, you know, a, a tad higher. I don't think I'd have him as high as where you have him because I, I think I'd feel more comfortable with some of those other guys and, and, and still believe in guys like, you know, Carson Wentz and, 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 you know, uh, you know, if he, if he's ever healthy and Kirk Cousins, who we talked a little bit about before or a couple of years of Tom Brady still, uh, you know, before I would, I want Mac Jones on my roster just because I do think even if he hits, we're still talking about somebody who I envision as a guy who's a functional starter, but if he's in New England, usually a good defense, usually strong run game, how much is he going to be asked to do 
you know, so I had some concerns and reservations, but I, I but I think, but I think we, you make a good point there though, that he did land, you know, with a good setup, with a good scheme, uh, you know, and we will be interested to kind of follow that suit. Anybody else here, Jeff, to close it out before we talk a little bit about where we can find people can find these rankings uh, down the line a little bit, anything else you want to bring up? No, I mean, everything I want to bring up, this is so much fun talking <laughs> about these guys, but I, we're going to have a lot of opportunities as the year goes on, as we revisit these from time to time. So, you know, we'll save them for future, future episodes, especially when we'll give it our, uh, a, a really good chance to be able to talk through, through points in depth. So. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I mean, there were so many guys we didn't talk about. I would have loved to, you know, dig in a little bit in terms of guys like Tua compared to, you know, Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Matthew Stafford are set up to have big, big time years. Like, are we too low on them? Like, I know I wrestled with, should those guys be ahead of the, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance's? Because I think Tannehill and Stafford are set up to have monster statistical seasons. And that could be for the next couple of years. So, like, you know, I, I think both of those guys are really in prime position. Should those guys be right after Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers? And then these youngsters, the Lance, the Fields, the Jalen Hurts, those guys, should those guys be in, like, a next bigger tier after those guys, I think the argument can be very strong that yes. So there's so much more we could have talked about tonight because there are other guys like that, that I think are very interesting, but I know if I was doing a startup because I not just looking for year one, personally, I'd probably gamble on the upside of Lance and Fields over Tannehill and Stafford. But if you're more looking for right now, Tannehill and Stafford are probably the way to go. So Jeff, this was an absolute blast. I look forward to kind of cycling back on these, uh, hopefully during the season at times, uh, kind of checking in, sharing our updates a little bit. For people who like, who enjoyed this episode, first off, we're going to have three more episodes. We're going to have one like this on the running backs, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. Uh, once those four episodes have concluded, we are going to put up free on the website – there will be a link to a Google Sheets document where you will see Jeff and I's rankings that we discussed tonight. Maybe there some updates by then, you know, in terms of things that, you know, so if you see something slightly different from the podcast, it's because we may have slightly updated something uh, b- before that time comes. But there's going to be a link on the, art, on the website to access these at no uh, no charge. This These will be free. We will put it on our Twitter handle, my Twitter handle, Jeff's Twitter handle, the SS Twitter handle. And then these will be updated for the website free from time to time. For people who are, are subscribers to the premium notebooks, when the new set of premium notebooks come out in September, in the rankings notebook, we'll have these positional dynasty rankings. And those will be updated on a more frequent basis. And there could be more depth to the rankings as well. There could be overall big boards, not just positional and some other stuff as well. Uh, But we will continue uh, to update the ones that are free on the website. You know, I don't want to put a, a, a time frame on how frequent the updates would be. Uh, they would not, they will not be as updated as much as in the premium notebooks, but they will be out there uh, as well. And we will talk about them from time to time uh, on the podcast as well, because I know I truly did enjoy this. I, we we wanted to, you know, we, we do so much with the, the rookies and then I usually do a, a dynasty stock report series anyway, but I thought instead of that, I wanted to put something a little bit more substance, a little bit more content uh, for our listeners. And, you know, Jeff, you know, uh, said he, he was all about it and, and wanted to jump in and do it with me. Uh, so we had a lot of fun doing this. I look forward to the next couple episodes. Jeff, any parting shots here in, in terms of anything that we talked about tonight or or moving forward or, or, or updating the rankings or anything else? If not, please let the audience know where they can find you uh, and anything else. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, might put these up on my Twitter Twitter handle. You can find me at the Sofa Scout. Um, I like to interact. You know, DMs are open. Comment on things. Um, I, that's what I'm there for is is to get um, talk football. 
Um, so, so you'll find me there. That's the best way to reach me. Um, I did spend the last uh, better part of this last month uh, doing team preview articles over for the the folks at Dynasty Nerds. So uh, go check those out because you, you mentioned that you do the Dynasty Stock Report and we're kind of taking a different frame of approach this year with rankings. But uh, uh, they have a really nice series where they, both on the offense and, you know, I love IDP. So offense and defensive side of the ball, every single team, every day through July, uh, you know, a new team each day, full preview, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, linebacker. So you'll get the whole shebang and you can get, you can get your, your dynasty previews uh, over there. And I, I've kind of put a, you know, a good half dozen articles out there for them myself. So uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love, but it was really good to just dig elbows deep into a few teams and, and, and kind of fall in love with, uh, you know, them. I might end up rooting for a few of them just because I was able to get so invested. So, you know, maybe I'll be a Browns fan or something like that. Guys, make sure you definitely get over there and check out those things. I know the the commitment uh, that Jeff puts in on every time we do a podcast together and with these rankings. So make sure you get over there and check out those articles, really in-depth stuff uh, for sure to get you ready for the NFL season. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.